0: Good evening, high school football fans, and Merry Christmas. This is High School Football America for December 24th, 2015. I'm Jeff Fisher, host of the show and founder and editor-in-chief of High School Football America and HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. Welcome to Christmas Eve. And uh, what a great 2015 season it was coming up on the show. We're going to recap uh, the uh, Top 25, which we released and crowned our national champs on Sunday. We'll talk about our medium school champs and our small school champs and uh, have a long chat with the uh, head coach of our national champions in 2015. We crowned them on Sunday. It was kind of odd. I wrote about this as we uh, were going through the algorithm, checking the numbers, checking it twice as Santa does on that. That naughty and nice list and um, lo and behold as we were finishing working because we've been on the road and we're coming to you from Atlanta Georgia tonight uh, we were pulling in to have lunch to finalize the numbers in Moultrie Georgia and we had a dogfight for the, uh, the top spot this year. It came down to four teams uh, going into the weekend. Uh, number one, Corona Centennial controlled its destiny in California. All the Huskies had to do, they had to beat. De La Salle, a team that they've played uh, five times in the last nine years in the championship game in California. And De La Salle bounces all the way back from that season opening loss to Euless Trinity in Texas to run the table and capture the Open Division Championship. And what that meant was the door was open for many teams and we had a four-team dogfight for the top spot in the algorithm. The computer had to uh, work overtime <laughs> to, to figure out what was going on as we pulled in pulled into Moultrie, Georgia. We had uh, four teams in the mix. It was the tightest uh, race for number one to crown a national champion since we started using the algorithm back in 2013. It came down to Colquitt County, it came down to katie texas it came down to bishop gorman in nevada and it came down to de la salle so uh... three of those teams undefeated uh... de la salle the only team with a loss but uh... de la salle having a good strength of schedule to get into the uh, the mix down the stretch and oh, it, it whiskers uh... santa's whiskers is what the uh... The, the national championship chase came down to and in the end uh... someone must have been uh, looking out for what was going because we didn't have this plan we were just driving for. From Tallahassee to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and we pulled into Moultrie. We grabbed some lunch uh, in the town there, and as I uh, worked on the final round of numbers, it came out that Colquitt County uh, would be our 2015 national champs after winning 30 straight and back-to-back Georgia. 6A championships, they were our champs, and coming up on the show, we're going to spend a long chat with Rush the uh, head coach of Colquitt County and uh, talk about uh, lots of things this season. He also uh, on Tuesday held a press conference to talk about having a national championship where we take all of the polls that are out there and uh, see if there's a way to uh, determine the championship on the field. Of course, Of course, there's a lot of hurdles with that, and uh, Rush is going to talk about that. He's going to talk about his time at Hoover and lots of things on the show tonight. Uh, a good long chat with the uh, head coach of our national champions. And, of course, he uh, has now won state championships in both Alabama and Georgia. His uh, time at Hoover was a great one. He'll also talk about uh, the end of that run and uh, how he's changed and uh, become a, a better coach and a better person in uh, Colquitt County and uh, Moultrie, Georgia so that's uh, that's all coming up on the show tonight and we'll also at the back end of the show talk about our medium school and small school champs we've never done it before but the algorithm has gotten so much better over the last three years we're really uh, we're really proud of what we've put together uh, with the uh the computer rankings and uh we'll we'll put it up against anybody that's been out there for a while and quite honestly we think ours is uh is is right at the top of all of that as far as how the uh, rest of the national championship chase came down uh we put out uh, today earlier today our media compilation poll which we uh, in that poll we have um five national polls in that and we uh, award points and then we uh, uh, figure out who's the top team when you put all of them together and the top team also Colquitt County and uh, they uh, were able to edge out by a couple of points. Katie, even though Katie was crowned national champs by um, three of the outlets and you know the 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 strong finish by colquitt in the other four so we had him number 1 the other four USA today high school sports the super 25 max preps uh the national high school football 100 and uh prep nation the poll uh, there they uh, they all had them number 2 so uh the media compilation poll champ this year also colquitt county but this year uh, we have expanded our uh, algorithm to get all the teams into it and we were able to produce a medium school and a small school top 25 lots to go between now and the new year and uh, the the first week of the new year as we will be uh, putting out our uh, coach of the year our player of the year and also our all america teams something that we have not done uh over the uh the last uh 4 years but uh, this year we've got uh, got a lot of stuff to get to and honor a lot of uh, coaches and players on what was a fantastic 2015 season. I I would say, uh, you know, while we had no one that really kind of stood out at the top, you know, all of these teams played well. I thought there was a lot of parity and it would have been interesting to see a a Colquitt County play. an IMG, for example, they were talking about that. That didn't come together. Uh, They were looking at uh, Colquitt and Bishop Gorman. That would have been a great matchup on the field. Uh, But uh, just a fantastic season and we want to thank all of you as we head into the holidays and give thanks for uh, you making this radio show uh, The most popular in America. Lots of downloads each and every week. Uh, We've had a fun time this year partnering with USA Today High School Sports. We look to continue that in the uh, coming year. Uh, We actually expanded uh, our rankings this year. We are the provider, uh, with the help of the NHSCA, the National High School Coaches Association, that I help them out with all of their media communications. Uh, We're putting out the uh, Top 25 in wrestling for USA today the super 25 there and uh you need to uh, check it out every Wednesday it goes up at uh, USA today HSS dot com and uh, just shows how we're growing and very proud of our association with uh, the the sport of high school wrestling so uh... with uh... usa today being mentioned let's uh... let's talk about our other partners that have made this year a fantastic year beginning with echo sixteen twelve uh... get coaches uh... you know together and they start talking about how good getting instant replay on your sideline eight seconds after the play ends is for uh, their the, just giving them an edge in the competition, it makes them better coaches. They can show the players exactly what happened right on the sidelines, right after it happened. Echo sixteen twelve created by coaches for coaches. Yeah, there's some imitators out there, but don't be uh, don't be fooled. This one is great. You don't need uh you know a data plan, a cellular Wi-Fi connection. Echo sixteen twelve lets you make. Tomorrow's adjustments today, and you can learn more at echo1612.com. Also brought to you tonight by Crossover, the good folks at Crossover breaking down your game film for you and uh, saving you a lot of time, especially uh, as uh, you 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 want to spend more time with your family. As a coach, you know how much time you spend away from it. Uh, crossover can help you out. It's compatible with Huddle. You can get your free demo at crossoverwithak.com/football. You can also get to Echo and Crossover by clicking on their uh, click. On our banner ads, and it'll take you right to the uh, spots you need to fill out for your demo and all that. We will be with Crossover uh, coming up in San Antonio as we uh, make our trip around the country here. And check out some of the great photos I'm tweeting out at HSFB America, which is our Twitter handle. But uh, we will be uh, in. In San Antonio uh, on the 9th and 10th and 11th for the uh, AFCA, the big uh, football coaches conference there. Looking forward to that. We'll be there with crossover. Stop by and say hello, and uh, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to talking to a lot of coaches that are there. Please uh, tweet us out. Let us know you're there. Love to uh, meet you. Say hello. Shake your hand. And... um, Build that relationship as we have built uh, strong relationships uh, over the forty years in this uh, in this business, and we're already looking forward to two thousand and sixteen we've got some big things coming up in two thousand and sixteen that's going to make high school football America bigger. And better. Also brought to you tonight by the TDI Razor, the good folks at Southern Sport that put out the debris inhibitor razor, keeping those pesky rubber pellets from field turf out of your shoes and gives you the great look of spatting without the high cost of tape. 23 great colors. Go to TDI Razor with a U R A Z U R dot com to get uh, your spats, and these things uh, wear well, and uh, Merry Christmas to the guys there at uh, Southern Sport on the trip across uh, Interstate 10, and we we passed through El Paso. I put up a great picture, the El Paso High School football field, the original Sun Bowl, uh, a great stop there, but uh, we, we passed through, let's see, we stopped Tucson, El Paso, uh, San Antonio, Trying to remember all the places we were. Baton Rouge in Louisiana, and then when we got through Mississippi, uh, we stopped in there and uh, saw Joey Tykert, one of the uh, founders of the debris inhibitor razor in Southern Sport, and uh, got to meet his wife and just had some great, uh, great Southern cooking uh, there in uh, in Mississippi. Had some good barbecue. Uh, had uh, had the tips of one of the roast. It was oh, some of the most tender meat that uh, I've ever had. We also stopped in uh, Pensacola and uh, Tallahassee, and then we're going to head up north. but uh, it's been a a great trip so far and the good folks at the Debris Inhibitor Razor were great and uh, another great uh, new sponsor this year was uh, ScoreStream Uh, they did a wonderful job of uh, creating our scoreboards the top 25 scoreboards the state by state scoreboards that you could keep up uh, with all the scores all the games that went on throughout the season and it was uh, just fun to watch uh, how many people enjoyed going to the game and scoring along and you can get the app by going to uh, google play or uh you know to the itunes store it's free and you can score along it's not just football they do all the sports out there so check them out at scorestream.com okay we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to talk uh, a long time with uh, colquitt county head coach Rush Probst, uh, the national champs this year at Moultrie, Georgia. And uh, we're going to talk to Rush about the national championship uh, that they won, how proud the community is, how proud he is of his players. And uh, we're also going to talk uh, about uh, the future. Can there be a, a national playoff type situation in high school football? And he's also going to talk about uh, the new head coach at Georgia, who's still at Alabama trying to win a national championship, another national championship, the defensive coordinator at uh, Alabama, Kirby Smart, now the new head coach. Coach at Georgia, and we're going to talk to uh, Rush Probst, who, obviously, uh, one of the big coaches here in the uh, state of Georgia, talking about what that will do for the state of Georgia football, and i will have a great insight into how football in the uh, Peachtree State has improved, especially over the last ten years. So we're going to take a break. Hear from our sponsors. When we come back, going to talk to Rush Probst, head coach of Colquitt County, our national champs in 2015. You're listening to High School Football America. Instant replays on a high school football sideline? Seriously? Yes. The future is here with Echo 1612's instant replay sideline system. Echo's cutting-edge technology was the first to the market two years ago. Echo delivers instant replay to your sideline on an iPad within seconds of a play being finished so that you can make tomorrow's coaching changes today. This NFHS approved product may be the biggest change in high school football since the invention of the helmet. Coaches, you'll gain a competitive edge by adding Echo 1612's instant replay sideline system to your coaching toolbox. How cool is this? The ECHO Instant Replay Sideline System works with both your current, booth, and end zone cameras plus, and this is an important point, ECHO works without any cellular connection data plans, or internet. The list of high school football programs using Echo 1612 system is growing daily, meaning your opponent may already have a game time advantage. You don't want to be left out, do you? The Echo 1612 advantage is simple. Echo plus an iPad equals instant replay on your sideline that improves your game planning. Seriously you'll be making coaching adjustments in real time, not the day after. Except no copycats, Echo 1612 is the best on the market. Echo 1612's cutting edge technology helps you make tomorrow's adjustments today. Learn more at Echo1612.com. Field turf rubber pellets be gone. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is a seamless outer sock that was specifically designed to keep crumb rubber and other fine debris from artificial or grass playing surfaces out of an athlete's shoes and socks, thus keeping such debris out of gym bags and locker rooms. The Razor, spelled R-A-Z-U-R, is favored by athletes who want the look of tape, by trainers who no longer have the time to tape only for show, and by moms who no longer want that crumb rubber in the house the debris inhibitor razor is made in America it's 70 percent nylon and 30 percent spandex making it extra lightweight and very durable and it's backed by a one-year performance guarantee the debris inhibitor razor covers just the right amount of a player's shoe while keeping those shoelaces tight it's fully customizable machine washable and more importantly it's easy to get on and off the debris inhibitor razor comes in 23 colors and sizes are youth medium large and for that extra bigfoot Extra Large. Founded in 2010 by former University of Mississippi All-SEC football player Carl Hoppy Langley III, Southern Sport Inc. created the Debris Inhibitor to improve athletic performance by protecting athletes, allowing them to look and feel better with technically advanced products engineered with superior fabric construction, patented design, and proven innovation. Get a discount on your order by using the High School Football America code HSFA when you order at TDIRazor.com. That's Razer spelled with a U, at tdiRazer.com. If you're scouting your opponents without Crossover's Game Film Breakdown platform, you're missing an opportunity to get a huge edge over the competition. Crossover's service lets you upload game film from your hard drive, video camera, or other websites like Huddle their team of football experts will then clip and tag the game with player and formation info so that when you log into your account you can filter the clips however you'd like they'll also automatically prepare a comprehensive tendency report and down and distance report for your staff so you can see exactly what your opponents like to call in specific situations we all know that every coach spends countless hours preparing before a game it's not about the time you put in it's about what you do with that time that's crossover's biggest It allows you to use your prep time more efficiently and get an even deeper level of insight since you don't have to waste time setting up the film. Check them out. You're going to love them. You can sign up for a quick free demo at crossover.com forward slash football. That's crossover with a K dot com forward (laughs) slash football. USA Today High School Sports is America's leading platform for high school football. The Super 25 team rankings and expert American Family Insurance All-USA list have been determining the best of the best nationally and locally for more than three decades. Be sure to check out HSS.com, the best in the game for everything high school football. This portion of High School Football America brought to you by USA Today High School Sports. Check out the Super 25 in football (laughs) next fall every Monday at USA Today HSS. Dot com. Well, speaking of rankings, uh, we're very proud of what we've done over the last three years in developing our algorithm, which comes up with the computer rankings. And uh, on Sunday, we were the first ones to the market with uh, who our national champs are in 2015. As you know, there's about ten things we put into consideration when bringing up the rankings, and a team that's been there the last couple of years, uh, knocking on the door, uh, opened the door on Sunday. Uh, it, it was kind of odd. We were we were driving across the country. The show's coming from. Uh, Atlanta tonight. And uh, lo and behold, on Sunday, as the final rankings came in, we ended up in Moultrie, Georgia, home of the uh, Colquitt County Packers, and they are our 2015 national champs back-to-back Georgia 6A champs quite a run uh, of over 30 uh, games and uh, no better way to celebrate that championship here on the show tonight than bringing in the head coach of uh, Colquitt County uh, Rush Probst who's had an incredible uh, Hall of Fame career not only in Georgia here at Colquitt County but of course you'll remember him from his days back at Hoover and Alabama and all the championships there and of course uh, two a days the the TV show but we're here to talk about what was a fantastic 2015 which came off of Fantastic two thousand fourteen. We've got a lot to talk about, Coach. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me and I want to first, you know, thank you very, very much for your for for us being named national champions in your poll. I think it's um uh, you know, was it's a big deal of our community, big deal of Moultrie in the county of Calquett County and <clears> the <throat> forty six thousand people that live here. You know, it's something they can be proud of. Actually, just a while ago, I went up to the store to get a uh, paper um, to read what a local sports writer had, and it had the plans and that we'll talk about later on about the the national championship format but, uh, that I proposed a little bit yesterday. But um, sure and behold, and it was handwritten. It's uh, national champs already written up on, you know, the gas stations and a lot of the – and then I rode around town and obviously there's five or six windows already been painted and, you know, it'll be solid paint by the end of the day. It's been raining here pretty good the last two days. So people have had a hard time getting out of paint as much as they want to, but this town's ecstatic. The uh, community is excited, uh, for a kid growing up in rural Crawford County. You know, we're the number one produce, uh, County east of the Mississippi River. That's what we are. You know, mm-hmm. we produce produce, I and mean, then you go to the grocery store and you buy vegetables and and things. You, you, there's a good possibility if you eat a cantaloupe you can eat it in this county, or you know, or several other things. But uh, when you fly over in the plains, there's not a lot of trees, so <laughs> you know that's what we are. And uh, there's a lot of pride in this community when it comes to football and every Friday night there's going to be ten to 12,000 people that follow us, and it doesn't matter who we play. It's the most it's, – it's, it really blows me away to watch the fan-based passion that our fans have week in, week out, and then even when we travel to Atlanta that's three and a half hours away and sometimes four when we get up in the northern part of Gwinnett County and the County, a lot of people come. And uh you know, it's uh it's wonderful to be ranked number one in the nation and uh it's an honor and a privilege and I wanna thank you personally. Well,
0: you're you're very welcome. We've obviously talked offline about this, and uh, one of, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that that really helped is a strength of schedule. And before we kind of dive into what happened during the season, I'd really like to, to have you talk a little bit about this because, well, um, well, Georgia football's always been good. Um, it, it's changed dramatically over the uh, almost about a decade or so, and I'd love for you to kind of educate the listeners out there on a national level as to to what has really happened to, to Elevate uh, Georgia high school football. That will help you in our algorithm. For example, when it comes to strength of schedule, it was not an easy task to get a championship this year.
1: No, it was not, and it wasn't last year either. I mean, you go back in fourteen and fifteen, and I can tell you some main tough ball games. Now week we played in, and you know, obviously in last year beating Hoover and down here and beating him pretty impressively. Um, you know, Enterprise over in Enterprise. Uh, that, those were two pretty tough tasks you know the Mill Creek we opened up in the Porky Kill uh, you know we had we had tough ball games in our early on in our non-region games in our region and it's a war every Friday night I call it the SEC West <laughs> it's week in week out you're going to play very very good football teams <clears throat> so this year same scenario I think that you know the tab plant game was was the hype was built up pretty good and and you know, they lost their quarterback right before he carried his ACL, uh, before the season started and they were hampered in each of it when they came in without him. But when I looked at him on the hoof and I watched him warm up, I told our coaches, I said, you know, they don't look any different. They just don't have the same quarterback, but everything else looks as good or better than I saw on film. So it was you know, it's, you know, we played really well. And we jumped on 42 to 7 at the end of the first half. And we had a running clock in the second half. And we just blew them out. And then Enterprise comes in here and they had come off a loss and wasn't expecting that. And we beat them. And, you know, we opened up at the court to Kell and played the North Gwinnett team that Bob he had a chance. They got the receiver going to USC. They got some other big time college prospects. He's just never jailed for him this year. And, and we, we beat them pretty good. And then, really, the Chris County game was tougher than we thought because I know we won 39, 38, to whatever it was, 10, or maybe 14, but Sheldon Felton had coached here for two years. He sort of knew our, you know, our bio-rhythms or whatever you want to call it, and he, he schemed us up pretty good, and they, their team made the playoffs. And then we played an undefeated smaller school in Pelham, and we had a few pretty good athletes. We beat them pretty good, but they played us hard. But then we had an open date, and I really felt like we needed it. And then it was at Lounge and at Lee County. The year before that, we had both been at home to get started off in the region. Well, now we're playing, you know, playing two teams that really want to beat us on the road at their place. And we knew we were going to be in England for a tussle. When we get over there, the Lounge, and it's pouring rain. It was 10-cent chance all day, sun shining when we left. We get over there, and it's a driving rainstorm from warm-ups to the end of the game. And so we handled it very well, the adverse situation. I didn't think Lounge did in the rain. They didn't take care of the football as well as we did, and we won 48-20. And, you know, I knew they were better. uh But I just think our kids handled the situation better. The next week we go to Lee County, and you thought we were playing in the the college world series. I mean, or or what? It was just a big time atmosphere. They were six and zero ranked, and they scored on the first play of the game, and then bam, uh, we kind of blew them out. And then we we beat Bob Oster at home uh, on a on a a statewide televised game, pretty handily, forty nine to. 14 or something like that, and then then had an open date and needed it. And then it got to Tiff and Camden at the end. Tiff was our last home game. They actually played us fairly close. We were up 31 and a half. and They had a young left-handed quarterback that played pretty good against us and kept the game fairly close uh, to the end. We ended up winning by, I don't remember, either eight points or we may have scored another and we go up by 15, but or maybe more than I can remember, but it was close. And then Camden over there was the worst adverse situation you could ever imagine. we got six of them sick. Our best, the all-time record setter in the state of Georgia, Luis Martinez who now holds the all-time field goal record and the all-time consecutive extra point record. Tears a quad muscle on a walkthrough with just, and just then top you wouldn't even cleats or tennis shoes. We were just walking, <laughs> literally walking through our kickoff and just sort of poor quad muscles. So now we got to go into that game without our kicker. we got to go into the game with everybody sick. we got them throwing up in the hotel. we got them throwing up the day of the game. But our medical staff did a great job with IVs and making sure that everybody's hydrated and you know, we played through it. And it was 14 14 at half the time. And then we came out second half and won the region championship over a tough Indian County house that was unbelievably packed out. They were nine and zero and 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 was ready to, to beat us and felt like they had us down. And and then as you know, you know, you get the playoffs, we just didn't we just didn't catch an easy break. You know, mm-hmm. we, we played teams that didn't like. Like North Pauling didn't have a really good record, but they had a really good quarterback, and they had played some people close, and he really, really played well against us, and we win the game big. But they're better than you think. Simple went at round two, better than you think. It seems like we caught the teams that had the good quarterbacks, but our region had prepared us because we had good quarterbacks in our region, and then you know it gets into. You know, now you've got to go. Then we then we don't get the coin flip. And I don't understand why we flip a coin in this state to determine <laughs> home and away. It, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And I wish they changed that format because it shouldn't go to the power rankings. If, if that's what we're going to determine the playoff seating next year, then that's what it should be determined. Right. Yep. And so we have to drive all the way to South for site and play an 11 1 team and our kids. Didn't think they were very good, but they were. And they had a great athlete, and he took over the game, and they had us. We're down three with 10 minutes to go and fumble the football to them in our own 40-yard line on the third one. So they got to 41 with 10.30 to go and a three-point lead. And they completed a the ball down the field about to 28. So they, they got a chance to go up 10. The very next ball, they throw their attack at this one corner that they heard some and this kid makes an outstanding interception in the end zone runs it out to about the 23 yard line the very next play tie Lee. we put him in the backfield Goes 83 yards for the touchdown to put us back in the lead we kick off baby lou's back healthy now he kicks it off out of the end zone. they start 20 they go three and out and then boom uh we um get it to the Lee again and he, the next play he goes 41 yards for a touchdown so it's uh we're back up now 10 points, and then uh, they drive down, we pick one late, and you're going to turn it 71 yards for a touchdown. So we end up winning fairly handily against a very good South sight team that a lot of people, I think, overlooked. And Forsyth County uh, is the fourth largest growing county in the United States of America. Hmm. What's happening is Gwinnett County, and this will talk about what Georgia football is about, is Forsyth County is growing so fast because there's no place to buy anything in that county anymore. It's so jam packed with mm-hmm. so many schools and so many people that everybody's sort of moving northeast and can, continuing to grow. And Forsyth County mm-hmm. is growing so fast that you're gonna have other teams to pop up there. And and you know, ten years ago, you just now heard of Grayson. There was no such thing as Archer. Right. There was no such thing as Mill Creek or Collins Hill, you know, a lot of those schools that just started. So what I think why high school football in, in Atlanta has gotten so much better is obviously population growth. But number one is they've done a great job, especially that County and even some kind of the Cobb County schools, and now the Forsyth, Fulton, and all them have sort of, you know, caught fire around there is they've hired good coaches. They're paying them better. The Booster Club, they're supplementing their salaries and their assistant coaches better. Um, they sort of took the model of what we were at Hoover, because that's what Brookwood Park, Parkview were in the 90s and early 2000s. They were the only two schools and the teacher that played good high school football in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden now there's 30 to 40 schools up there playing really good high school football because the facilities are much better, the pay is much better, and, you know, just, you know, a lot of job opportunities and people can, you know, work it, They can live in one spot and, and they can go to about any, any one of five, six, seven different high schools that they want. And, you know, it has really helped our state, I think, become – one of the best football states. And Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jeff, but I think uh, Georgia, and I made this statement yesterday, and I, I hope I didn't mislead anybody, but I think the state of Georgia led the NFL draft board with more people drafted out of the state of Georgia last year than any state.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think you're absolutely right about that. It is, it it, it has jumped up, you know, dramatically. Um, let's let's go down the stretch, and 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 I'll I'll start down the stretch with this question to you, coach. And by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, Rush Probst on the line of the national champion Colquitt County Packers. Um, you guys had been there the year before. You've got the experience. You 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 brought that experience from Hoover. What it what it takes to win a championship. Your kids experienced it last year. How important down the stretch with those teams that you played. The Roswells, the the Mill Creek. How important was the year before to your run this year?
1: I think very important. The year before we had McKeacher at our place and then and then Archer. And we knew both teams were very, very good. And so I felt like going into the Mill Creek and to the Roswell game that our football team had some experience in those type of high packed high motion ball games let me tell you something, Mill Creek was buzzing from the time we pulled up. They did a wonderful job getting us in and out. They were a great host. They hosted a very good semifinal game. Their field was in excellent condition, uh, and they had a fine football team. And so, uh, but I just think our experience and our key players showed up in key times. You know, we had three guys in Chase Parrish, who never lost a football game as a quarterback. That says, That speaks volumes. The Mm -hmm. best football player in the state of Georgia, in my opinion, is Kiel Pollard. I think he is the most underrated athlete this state has had in five years. I think there's nobody better at what he does than than him. I mean, I know Kyle Davis. You know, if you look at Kyle Davis's year at Archer and you look at Kiel Pollard's year, they're not even close. It's not even the same hemisphere. Kiel Pollard's the best football player in this state. Ty Lee though carried us because he had to play dual role because when we lost our running back early in the year and we were playing some senior good players, just not durable players. We had to move Ty Lee in and out of the backfield. Well, you know, those last two weeks, he just took over. When he was in the backfield, he was tremendous running back as a change of pace back. Then he was on the perimeter, he caught a ton of balls and, and just ran away from people. He looked like the old Ty Lee. But Pollard is such a physical physical presence in the red zone, and that's what I tell guys all the time: is when, when you're inside the 15, 20, 10, speed doesn't have a lot to do with it. And that's his knock: he's not a four-five guy, but he is a 230-pound wide receiver that power cleans about 325 pounds <laughs> and squats about 450. So he's just a physical brute. So we put him in the wild hog. And we would manipulate those three play. well those two players with Pollard and Ty Lee. We knew when Ty Lee was in the backfield, Isaiah Thomas gave us that sneaky speed that we had with him. He was just about as good as Tylee in the slot. So when people took their eyes off of the slot, Isaiah would burn. Him. We would committee the Z receiver with toy Ponder, you know, and uh, Ty Powell, and then the X Factor for us in a lot of times was Sean Bonner, the big tight end. He's another one that's 6'3", 255, 257, and he's six three and a half. And he had 37 catches on a year, but his ability to play a tight end, the fullback in our heavy sets, our, we could spit him out in the inside slot receiver, we could put him to the backside in space, He's just a heck of an athlete, you know, and um, and so we, we sort sure of manipulated that and really changed our offense, to be honest with you. From last year, with Sahim rushing for over 2,000 yards. to mm-hmm. so this year, we were a true throw team. We had to throw it to win it, and we had to throw it about 35 to 40 times a game to win it. Chase threw, I think, five or six interceptions all year, uh, which is – Remarkable! Uh, he threw 40 touchdown passes, and he never lost a ball game. So I think our experience in those tough ball games last year—you and you, you got to understand—now we had been seven straight years to the semifinals or better. You know, we lost mm-hmm. in the championship game in '10. We won it last year and won it this year, and then there were four other years that we lost in the semifinals. So we've played a lot of big-time ball games. And, and, you know, winning seven quarterfinal games also speaks volumes for anybody's program and gives you a lot of a lot of confidence in those games. Sure. And and so I really think what we did last year carried into this year. Cause when we get to the semifinals, our kid, you just to see a different mindset. It's like they felt like they didn't play very well against North Pauling, although – we didn't play bad as I thought. They were just better than people gave them credit for. But when we got back and we looked at the film and we moved forward to Mill Creek, our kids took it another level up. And when they did, I just felt like that level was good enough to, to be to be state champions. I think at the end of the year, it is so hard for a team to maintain that age. Mm-hmm. It just really is. It takes a special group of kids, and you have to understand how to do it. There is, there is a trick in my opinion. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that, but there is a trick to having your team play at a peak performance late in the year when they should be at their tiredest source and their most beat up time. There's that fine line of what you do to get your team to peak performance in them last couple of three games.
0: Okay, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I we'd love to hear it because I'll tell you what. I I think, you know, as you just said, you don't go to that deep in the season each and every year without having that and and I'd love to hear what your take is on it. What what is it that you do? I don't I don't know if there's a secret sauce anybody's going to steal from you, but your experience is, has has said you rushed Prosto's how to win state championship games. So, so let's give uh, the listeners a little insight into that.
1: Well, I I think, you know, I was at Asheville High School. I first started out in 1989. I learned a lot of lessons, you know, and we'll get into the Kirby Smart stuff later on. But, you know, I hired a guy. One of my first hires were, well, I had two hires. I hired Bill Clark, who's now the head coach at uh, UAB, and John Ross that we talked about to play for the the, uh, FCS National Championship. let Fresco city Texas against North Dakota on January of the 9th. I hired him, and they were my first two hires in 1989. Mm-hmm. 89. And I also hired an older gentleman that had been a head coach. But I just felt like at my age at that time, at 31 years of age, I needed that 50, 51, 52-year-old man to lean on some.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, he'd always tell me, Rush, you can, you can overwork them now, you know, if you're not careful. Take it from somebody like me that has not won state title and it would always sort of, you know, lose a stinger when we got into the cores and second round and we just, and we had a good year, just couldn't even get over the hump. Well, that was what sort of happened to us when I was an assistant coach at Hefflin Hospital. It, we would just peter out at the end and you just, you just didn't know why and didn't understand it. Well, the semifinal loss to Ian Asheville in ninety two against a team that I felt like we could have won and they won the state championship open eyes. In fall I could never get out of the second round. So I went right back into the one thing that the that Charles Martin used to tell me I shouldn't have done, I did anyway because I was still young and dumb. <laughs> then when I got to Mobile you know, I started developing a better habits of how I wanted to change things and do things a little bit different. And we actually really nearly won a state championship in 1998, the first year that that school, Alma Brown High School, in Mobile opened in, in a 6A program. And so I learned an awful lot that that year. And one of the things that sticks in my mind now is we're playing in a four final game with 12-0 and that had nine shutouts. We had a running back named Brandon Johnson who went on to play and had a successful career at Auburn University. He had been on a riding bicycle for every two days a week, three days a week, constantly because he couldn't practice. He had two broke bones in his foot. But on Friday night, he would play. <laughs> and so he would practice a little bit on Tuesday. Uh, would rest it on Sunday and Monday and practice on Tuesday. And then he would put it in the boot and ride the bike on Wednesday and Thursday. Well, long story short, I quit doing that about a week out. Then a hurricane come through, the heat turned up. He was not in any kind of shape and we lose the ball game to Viger and he was, he flew up at, at halftime and, and he just had lost his conditioning. And little things like that really implanted in my brain. And I didn't listen. I didn't listen. That was my problem. I didn't listen. So when I got to Hoover, and I got that job. I got that Hoover job because I was state coach of the year in 1998 in Alabama. When I got the Hoover job, I surrounded myself with people, Bill Clark, John Ross, Todd Watson, Kevin Shirley, uh, uh Jeremy Pruitt, uh, David Faulkner, Chip Lindsey, Kevin Shera, all these great coaches, Sean Sutton, Matt Moore. uh, I hope I said Todd Watson. He's now at Troy. I surrounded myself with great assistant coaches that didn't always agree with what I had to say. And I think we would go in meetings, and it wasn't a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Now They knew I had the final say, but they had their – they're too. That's why I hired them. They're dang good football coaches. And a lot of them were coaches' sons. Jeremy Pruitt, Todd Watson, Sean Sutton. And I know I'm leaving somebody out, but, um Cam uh, Ken Payne, uh but, you know, and Bill Clark, obviously I played for his dad. Lord, I can't, I'm glad to get that one. But so I had, I had their dads that I could talk to also. Not only the coaches, I could talk to Dale Pruitt. I could talk to Reagan Clark. I could talk to R.L. Watson. You know, there was people on my staff that I could talk to their fathers that mm-hmm. had been doing this for 30, 40 years. And so it helped mold me. And I'm going to tell you something. If you would come to our practices at Hoover and you came to accuse your practice, I remember looking at college coaches looking at one other, going, and saying, this is it? This is all they doing? <laughs> And that, and I think I learned the valuable lesson that I, have. I overworked our kids late in the year. Got it. And and I think that was a huge issue with us. And then there were other things nutritionally we do now. You know, we we control their nutritional intake. I'm just about every day of the week. My wife does that. And the really the only time our top sixty football players that we're going to play with each at home. Is what they eat on Saturday and what they eat Sunday morning and what they eat for Sunday lunch. When they get to us Sunday afternoon at two thirty, until they go home at night, we control their eating habits all the way through Friday night until after the game. We feed them after the game on Friday. So, and we and it's not just fried burgers. I mean, it's healthy food that we feel like maximize the energy level that they need to play on. My son, my 23-year-old son, who's our video videographer that films my practices and my games, was was one of the best track runners in the state of Alabama and won six or seven gold medals. He was state champion in the two-mile, the one-mile, the 800, and, and, and still holds, I think, an 800 record over there. But he taught me. I watched him train and how he got ready for big time races where he had to run a two mile, an eight hundred and a mile in a two day deal, plus run a, a a relay, a mile relay, which is one lap at about forty nine seconds. And and I saw his intake of food and how he was scientifically how he did it, how he rested, how he massaged, how he stretched, and how he was at peak performance during those races. And I'm gonna tell you what. He taught me a lot, and so I started researching this thing even more, and my wife spent a lot of time researching it, and I've got coaches that research it, and we've done a better job with the nutritional part, our video part, our our practice efficiency is what I'm calling it, Mm -hmm. and I just think the rock that everybody talks about, that they turn over and make sure they look at both sides, I think we flip that rock, we throw it under the water, and we polish it real good, and there's not a speck of grain or nothing on it when we get through looking at it. You know, there's nothing that goes unnoticed down those crucial ballgames at the end. We're very well prepared. Our plan is in place, and our kids understand when they get there what to, their expectation level is for the week going into it. And I think it really has paid off huge dividends in these last
0: two years. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Rush props is on the line tonight on High School Football America. We're talking about uh, the 2015 season that not only ended with a, uh, a back-to-back uh, title in Georgia and the biggest classification, but our national champs here in 2015 and should mention that all the other uh, fine services out there had your knocking on the door as well uh, at, at number two. Rush, is it fair to ask you the question with all the success in state titles at Hoover and, and now the success you've had at Colquitt and the back-to-back titles, and now a national title, is it fair to ask you the question: Is one sweeter than the other? And if one is, why is that?
1: You know, I, don't, I you know I like Coach Saban had a comment of the day, and I use him a lot because I got a lot of respect for him and Coach Belichick and Pete Carroll and those guys that are older than I am. And he's been asked that same question about comparing some of his teams, and he says. And I, and I sort of agree with that. Uh, I don't like to compare teams um, because each group's different. I mean, there's no doubt the success we had over there. Seven straight state championship games. And people over here are going to say, well, this wasn't as tough. Well, it was early on. You know, in 2000, there were seven or eight teams that could beat us. You know, 2001, we did lose. 2002, there were so many teams that could beat us. Now, O three, we started pulling ourselves away, and O four, we continued to pull ourselves away. And by O five and O six and O seven, yeah, I mean there was only two or three teams in the state that could even compete with us. Um, here, it ain't got to that yet. Uh, there was eight teams in our playoff bracket. If you took us, Roswell, Mill Creek, and um, through was the fourth and I'm out of it. And Grayson, Grayson. Grayson. You took those four. All right, you got to throw McKeecher and an Archer in there now. No doubt. And then you throw in a Peachtree Ridge, very talented, very good. And then Camden County. Any one of those eight teams, if you just shake it out of a bag and replay this thing over again, is there a good possibility it wouldn't end up the same way? Mm-hmm. So once you get into the quarterfinals in Georgia, and really, I think the second round, once you get, because I, I, I think there's more than eight. I think there's a legit twelve teams, sometimes fourteen, sometimes ten. That whoever gets hot can win. It. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, us and a couple of teams have got some experience there, but don't doubt that Norcross can think they can win, it, or Grayson, or Roswell, or Archer, or Piestewa. All those teams think they can, and down here. It's expected about Asta, where well, they're not in there anymore, but Lowns and Camden, you know, and even now Tip who's gonna be better. Can not get it done? So I think that that it is tougher in this state to do what we're doing than it is over there right now. That's in, in present two thousand fifteen. But for me to sit here and say which has been my best team, it'd be hard pressed for me to not say this has been this team has had to endure more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that we had an 04 team that had to endure a lot too now. I mean, each team has its own identity, every team and they have, and, and I can go back through every one of those teams and about pull out each incident or something that happened, some good, some bad. You know, I mean, obviously this year with the the arrest of one of our great running backs that that was in trouble uh, with the the law that's in jail today, the loss of him was traumatic. Mm -hmm. But I think it woke up our kids a little bit and said, you know, he's a stud, great player, and he's not above the law. So that... That was that was tough to deal with, especially at the time in which it happened, July the 16th. We're on our way to Hoover to play in a national seven on seven tournament. They we're wanting to win, and we get that news, and did not know we would not going to be on the bus when we left that morning because I had to go up the day before to uh, to do some doctor's visits. But uh, but then you go back to O2, we had the death of a player on the field that our players watched die. Mm-hmm. Victor Hill died on our field at Hoover in 2002 of a cardiac arrest, and and that was June 24th. So each team has its own identity, and and has to fight through some things. The 0 team had always been told they weren't good enough to to be in the same breath with the O3 and O2 02 and 2000 team or the teams that were coming. And five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And that all they did was go 15 and 0 and win the state championship with nearly brand new everything. I think mean, we had four stars back. And, and so each team has its own identity. And I think it's hard to compare who's better, but I do believe this team, the one I'm talking about this year in 2015, last year that team was so hungry. That it was not going to be denied mm-hmm. because it was very, very implanted in their brain. Yes, that that loss at North Cross the year before, they just wasn't going to accept it. They just wasn't. They weren't the a dry eye in that locker room after the game. They just wouldn't accept it. So that fear motivated. Us. Well, this year we had players on that team that wasn't even in that dressing room that night. Half. There was half of our 40 seniors. we were only about 16 or 15 of those kids that were even in the dressing room that night.
2: Mm-hmm. They
1: didn't even saw that emotion. So this team, I thought, had to really, really find ways to continue to motivate. And I think you had to, they had to trust us and what we were telling them to get it done and to go 30-0. And I think that 30-0, and was the ticket? That's what they wanted to hear, and that's what rang twenty nine and one to them. And it was to me too. I know it sounds bad, but twenty nine and one to me, but we didn't feel like we were five and five, and that's a fact.
0: Nope, you get you, you gotta have goals, right, Coach? Uh, Rush props is on the line uh, on High School Football America tonight. Brought to you by USA Today, high school sports. And Coach, you you, you touched on some of the key players, but uh, I remember last year when you were on the show, uh, and I think it was just a couple of games into the season at that point, you talked about Chase. Chase Paris your your quarterback and and what you thought of him and and how he handled you know the offense how he handled the leadership role in that and again you did have some different pieces last year that helped him out but uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Chase I saw something on Twitter uh, where someone said not only was he a great quarterback but a great role model in that so let's uh, let's give a little peek inside do you, do you have a doubt uh, I do not, but 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 I do have some 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 stepdaughters, so I, I get it. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, I've got I got three, and uh, I have three daughters, and uh, you know he's the type son-in-law you would all everybody would want. He is a, such a high character. His mom and dad are two of the finest people you'll ever meet in the world today. Uh, Brett and Kenny Parrish, you know they sell quarter horses. They all, you know, they're a uh, horse farm down here in Pavo. And Chase is just a wonderful leader and a wonderful person. Uh, he's a leader of men. He is he is very strong in his faith and, and knows that Jesus Christ is his personal Lord and Savior. He don't mind sharing that with anybody. He is what Jay Barker was when Jay Barker was the quarterback at Alabama. And I know there's others that Tim Tebow. In Florida, a lot like he's a lot like they are. Uh, obviously, not as talented as Tim Tebow, but 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 still uh, a leader, and and really had to take a role on this year even more so than last year. Because last year could turn around when things got tough. Although he had a phenomenal year last year, he threw for twenty nine touchdown passes last year. He could turn around and hand it off to a, a kid, named same King, that rushed for over two thousand yards this year he didn't have that luxury all the time. So mm-hmm. his attempt went up from about 22 a game, 23 a game to 35 to 40 a game. He threw for 3500 plus yards, uh, 40 plus touchdowns, ran for a bunch more. And he only threw for five or six interceptions, I can't remember which it is, but he's uh you know, he he's just and here's what's amazing to me How in the world he's not recruited by, you know, he doesn't have a legitimate offer right now. Right. I mean, he's got folks nibbling at him, you know, but no one has just said, has come straight out and said, hey, you know, he has a scholarship waiting on him at a university. And it's because he's he's 5'11", a legit 5'11". I think he's closer to six foot. He's 5'11 and a third barefooted, I think. So he's right shade under six foot, uh, 185 pounds. He's faster and more athletic than we give him credit for. You, you look at his scrambles and his ability to get out of trouble, mobility and escapability, uh, he could be a zone-read quarterback if we wanted him to be, and he has done that a good bit. He's drilled. But he plays hurt. He played sick. His state championship game week has been chronicled about his sickness. He was in the hospital. He had one of the worst bacterial viruses I've ever seen. We didn't know two game, two hours out that he was even going to play into the game. Jay Saunders at 5.30 had been given the nod to start, and it wasn't the 7.05, 7.15 that he came in and put his arms around my shoulder. And looked me dead in the eye and said, Coach, I am playing in this football
2: game.
1: (laughs) And I'm telling you now, I mean I'm emotional about it, but I'm telling you, and and I tried to look away, I tried to look down. He picked my chin up. And you know, when I dropped a chin, he picked my chin up with his hands and he looked me dead in the eyes and he said that. He said, I'm playing in this game. He said, I don't he said, You give me another bag of fluid, you give me whatever I gotta have for pain because my stomach is killing me and I'm going to go to war. And we did, Kevin Collins and Gary Schwartz and and with the help of our whole hospital team that we have down here, just did a phenomenal job. You know, and I think putting him in the hospital for a day with the antibiotics that was on probably saved him uh, and got him ready to play. But he only practiced two days all week, and Jay was ready to go. And Jay had had a good week of practice, and I think we could have won the game with Jay. But this was Chase's team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 with that, and his mom and dad sitting there with me, because I wanted their approval. They were good to go with it, and we went with it. And he goes out and sets every record known to man. So that's what kind of person you get in, in that kid. And for a college not to take him, it, it's it, it is it speaks bad language to our what college football has become. Mm-hmm. because there's places out there for Chase, because you know what you're going to get with Chase Parrish? You're going to get, at the worst case scenario, you're going to have the best backup quarterback <laughs> that you've ever had. That's the worst case scenario. And we that, know and what I'm that role in, is. That's that that's an important role. A backup quarterback is yeah, important. We know because, that. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine having your backup quarterback for four years that's that's a leader of men, that leads and and not afraid to share his fate with anybody that will listen, and 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 and, and have never lost a football game. Are you kidding me? I mean, the last kid I had like this was named by get him named Jerry and he was Mr. Football in the state of Alabama. Same scenario, and he was even two inches shorter. And his daddy was so disappointed. His daddy had bed, will have been dead ten years come from June six. Uh, died of lung cancer, but uh, Garrett Bryant was cut out of the same mold uh, as as Chase, and all he did was go to the Naval Academy on a football scholarship. He got a degree from the Naval Academy, which is hard to do. He started the quarterback for them six ball games. He beats Notre Dame. He beats Duke. He beats North Carolina. You know, he runs a two-point conversion in to beat Notre Dame in South Bend. Um, he was a backup quarterback. I think he started in six. He may have been starting in eight next through his career when Typo or one of the quarterbacks was hurt and then played a good bit. And he also played some running back on occasion. So, that's – I mean, you couldn't keep him off the field. Mm-hmm. And he was just a leader. And, and you know, Paul Johnson continued this, and, and I know – uh the new folks there that coached in the last two years will tell you that, you know, the Jared Wright meant so much to the program at Navy and I think Chase Parrish would do the exact same thing if somebody out there would give him this opportunity. And and he really wants to play division one football. That's the new play in this environment and in this city and in the passion in which we play in week in and week out, it's hard. I don't mind I played division two football. Understand that the Gulf South Conference is not what it used to be without Troy and Jacksonville State and and some of those you know good programs. that, that there was always fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand in the in the stands, you know you go to a Valdosta State game now, and I'm mean, I'm not dishing on Valdosta, but mm-hmm. I, I watched their second round game. They're playing somebody over there in a great football game. They may be two thousand people in the stands, maybe. And it shocks me, you know that it's it's gotten to that. But but it, hey, it, West yours is better. Can you go uh, get my charger? Steal, you're looking at four or five thousand. Upstairs I think Chase wants to go for Kitchen play. table. One double A football. Furman, Sanford, UT Chattanooga. <laughs> uh, a one double on A that, that fits his I'm style. And, and there's somebody out there if they will just, just taking it off movie, mute right now. If they're just doing their homework, but but here's the problem that I've yeah. been told.
0: It's an rush played to in your
1: system. So it's up there. I just got to plug what in. What does that mean? I mean, i I getting table to figure out. When somebody tells me that and more do Thank than not, what does that mean? That, he, that, he's ta- that they say, well, he's probably tapped out. He's probably not going to get any better. <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, that is the that is the – That's unbelievable, and all because here's what it is: you're scared to walk in there and tell your head football coach that I got a five eleven and a half kid that uh, that's a a great quarterback. But pop the tape in, spend an hour, look at the tape, watch his athleticism, watch him play, and look who we're playing, Mm -hmm. and then make a decision. And I, I just you know, I well, we we learn, could we you
0: know. we could go off on a on a on a tangent on recruiting. I'm not going to do that, but your point yeah, no, is well no, taken. I and I, I I'm right there. no, I, 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 your your point is well taken. A winner's a winner. We have a similar kid out in in Southern California who's a great kid, just like that. It says sounds like a carbon copy of Chase, and uh, not getting looked at, at at the level that he should. But I've said that all along, and and is is is. Father was a quarterback in Division One. His uncle played in the NFL. We're talking about Brock Johnson. And I I said, you know, a a a bloodline of quarterbacks that are winners. Yeah, I'll take it every time over some kid that might have, you know, four or five uh, stars. We could probably talk for a whole, you know, uh, another two hours here. But I want to change up a little bit. Yesterday, you. you, you talked about you had a, held a press conference saying you know we need to get to a uh, some a, a better system. Not that our polls and our rankings aren't great, but there needs to be a way to kind of get that national championship onto the field. Uh, talk a little bit about why you feel that there is a way to get at that, where we can have you know four teams at the end of the season meet and and, and maybe shuffle things out, so we don't have you know two or three different championships this, uh, champions this year. We have three, of course.
1: I just think. It needs to be one on the field, similar. <clears throat> it just takes some foresight. It Thank takes you. money. Uh, money's the key object. It, it isn't anything. And I think the state associations can hide behind a lot of things, but, you know, if they're accepting $50,000 and that's money they can use, and then if teams can, can take somewhere between fifty and and $100,000 a piece, plus their expenses can be paid, I just think you take four teams and I think you put it on that third weekend in December when the Bowls are starting, that same day that the Bowls are starting, if ESPN would leave us two time slots, whether it be ESPN or ESPN2, and leave us two time slots to where the nation can view those two, two high school, those four high school teams. These are the premier four best teams in the country. Based on these polls, and they say these are the best four teams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to cross check those four polls, you add those eight, 10, to 12 coaches that are retired, and there's guys out there willing to do it. You take me, if I was out of coaching, I'd, I'd love it. And it'd be a lot of fun, and sitting there watching that tape and watching games and Trying to figure out through my professional eyes who I thought the best four teams were, I wouldn't just look at lists and who's got college prospects. I would look at the teams and how well they're playing, and all the makeups, and would probably fly in and watch some of them practice and things of that nature. But I would get the that way you would get the four best teams. Put the money up. You got production costs. You got to rent a stadium. You build it up as a national championship format. One place, two, and for all rights and purposes, that's probably going to be for the national championship. But just to let the viewers understand and the people know, that it is three and four. If that, num- that the winner of that game is more impressive on that day than the one and the two, and the I see it, and they want to say, you know what, guys, we, just, we got this wrong. Three is the best team, or four is the best team. There's no question. They're the best team. And, you know, I think, and I believe this too. On that particular day, you got to play well. The president on you to play well. And so I understand body work. Body work got you there, but now you got to go play. And so then you sit back those people, the games are all with about 11 o'clock. They go back to the hotel. They get a good night's sleep. They get up the next day. They spend three hours in a room. Four hours in a room and they sit down and they discuss it, just like you do in grapevine with the college deal, and they come out in sentence for the most part, Who number one, number two, number three, and number four. Now, that may not be complete. Mm-hmm. There may be still arguments that one's better than the other, but at least you've got some information gathered, and guess what you've done? You've taken four dang good football teams, and you've let the public view what I think is the makings of something really great down the road. Now, I'm going to coach somewhere between eight and ten more years, and, you know, and I'd like to, to see it happen. And I think there's a lot of coaches that would support it, especially now. You, you, And I've told Rasha this. You can't go and take $12,500 and say, okay, we're going to give you $12,000 plus, you know, your state association is going to get 50 that ain't, coaches are going to say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're going to say it's not worth it, you know, but if they can put 50,000, 75,000 to a hundred thousand dollars in that budget, they made and head coaches. Eyes are going to perk up. The superintendent's eyes are going to perk up and now everybody is going to win and it's going to take about a million dollars. It may take 750,000 the first year. Well, if you've got a year or two years now in advance to go out and put this some not me, I've just sort of launched the plan But there's there's marketing agents out there that are smarter than I am. I'm a football coach. They can go out there and they can figure out how to generate and talk to someone uh, about it will you give us a million dollars to be the title sponsor this is what we want to do. It's going to be prime time to sit down with ESPN or Fox or whoever and say, hey, I just really truly believe ESPN will take two of those bowls of those five, they'll move two of those bowls somewhere else, keep the three bowls, starting at 11 or 12 o'clock on that first Saturday, they'll play three straight bowls, leave that night open for those two big-time hockey games. And I think you'll see that the viewership will be out of this world.
0: Yeah, it'll probably top yeah, those it'll bowls. Be
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be built up and nationwide because there's people in California want to see a St. Thomas Aquinas. There's yep. people in Florida that want to see a De La Salle live against the... Let's like, say it's De La Salle and St. Thomas Aquinas. say it's Katy, Texas, and Caulfield County, Georgia, or Grayson, Georgia, wherever, mm-hmm. or or Hoover, Alabama, and and, and whatever, Coleraine, Ohio. I just think that, uh, and Texas has got plenty of I just think the interest would be high. I think the crowds would be pretty good. The TV viewership would be high, and it would launch something that would uh, make people excited to watch.
0: Yeah, and we talked about this yesterday. One of the hurdles, obviously, is the state associations changing their rules. And, and like you said, your your belief is money will, will talk. Uh, one thing that I didn't ask you yesterday, I want to ask you now, is um, length of season. You know, there's been a lot being said. Uh, California, Texas, and Pennsylvania wrapped up last week. Um, 16 games on their slate. You guys play 15. What's your take? Because that's adding another game. Uh, you, you would have a, a Texas or a California team playing 17 uh, uh, as a guy that's been around this game does does that make a difference? Is it a bad thing to play so many football games in a season
1: i don't I don't know that there is not at not at some of our big i think it is in one a two a three a four a's and some of your five a's but once you get to six a football I mean we got more people than the colleges do you know' because we're not limited to one oh five so I mean, you know, we'll have 115, 125 kids out there probably I say, Ooh, we'll have 160 kids practicing. So, you know, our depth was deep, and most of these teams are going to be playing in this in this in this national format are going to have large numbers. So, and like I said, and most of us coaches, we're pretty smart in how we practice late. I, I don't think so, and I think 17 would be a max.
2: Mm-hmm. But,
1: you know, and I don't understand why teams went to 16, I, I think what we got to do is someone has got to be the liaison to be able to talk to these associations. we got to put all our state championship games on one weekend. You know, everybody's got to and I know why, you know why Texas and California does theirs one week later because they're doing it because that it gets in the eyes of the voters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's that's pretty smart on Texas and California's um decision making people they they've added that extra game It's more money, so don't tell me they're not wanting money because they get they get more money by playing that sixteenth game and then they're getting on that last weekend where people see the Katy's and the De La Salle's and the Centennials and the Lake Travis those are the four they watch and You know, it it was in the eyes of those voters when we we were a week earlier. So what I would like to see is everybody come to a common ground of when the state championship game should be played and everybody be on the same weekend. My opinion, the second weekend in December, everybody should be through. And then that next weekend, which would be, I'm talking about this year, the 17th or 18th or 19th, well, this year it would been the 12th. Next year, it'd be the 10th and then the 17th. So if it happened next year on the 10th, everybody finish up, state championships are done, and then you move on to the 17th. Now, I know people have already set their dates, so it may not be feasible for 15 if everybody's on the same page. All right? It may not happen in 16 because not everybody's on the same Not that you couldn't have the game, if you still don't have everybody on the same page. But by 18, if there's a lot of groundwork laid and people sit there two years out and plan this thing and get everybody on the same page, we can truly have that format in place where everybody's done at the same time, we pick the four teams, we play, and we roll. And I know a lot of folks are going to say, well, why don't we add the top eighteen teams or whatever? And, and again, if the money's there, don't dilute to money to the four teams that have earned the right to claim a national title. You know, that's that's number one. I think you've got to look at that. You can't – the Burger King thing failed because – I mean, when I first heard what money they were paying out on that, I, I didn't really want to go ask Gary Phillips for another game. At 12500 and their expenses, it just – to me, it wasn't worth it. And so it was – it's just got to be more money. Cause it, cause for us, in a state championship game, we made forty, forty-five, fifty thousand dollars. One year we made sixty. So, why for a national championship game would you go backwards? <laughs> I mean, if, you know. If no, you know, I, 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 I agree. I <laughs> agree. So, that so it is a money thing, and it is. And I know, like I said, I think California and Texas are smart in their decision and what they've done, but if they would agree to play this thing, they'd have to back it up. Well, I, 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 as long as the schools
0: out. benefit. I think that that's the thing. The schools have to benefit financially. Everybody has to benefit financially. But as you said there, and I, I do have some personal opinions on the way that was set up last year, and I do not agree with what Paragon did for that. Um, it, it They they have to. If they're putting high school football games front and center on ESPN, there has to be a better opportunity. Um, Plan by them to support these programs. We know the economics of them, and we're starting to run out of time here, Coach. So let's let's switch okay. up to one other thing. Um, and and folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Rush Probst from uh, Colquitt County, our 2015 High School Football American National Champs. Um, big change here in, in in the state of Georgia at UGA. Uh, Kirby Smart, who had an incredible run at uh, Alabama as the defensive coordinator, is the new head coach at Georgia. And uh, you know, certainly uh, with you having one of the top programs here. Uh, I I'd love to know what your take is. Is Kirby Smart uh, the, the, the guy that uh, takes him to the next level following up what uh, Coach Rick did, which was an incredible run for him? But what's your take on, on Kirby, and, and where's UGA going with him at the head?
1: Well, first and foremost, you know, Mark Rick made me a better football coach when Mark was here. I think his style and his opinions and, and how he went about his business on a day-in, day-out basis you know, we're, we're, we're good. I mean, the man, the man really had it going his way. I mean, they got a chance to win 10 ball games if they win this year in the bowl games. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a 10 20 team. You know, a guy that's been there 15 years, I just think people grew, grew old and tired. And I think people do. I think the day of staying in a place a long time or about over, you know, I think five to ten is about tops. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Coach Saban. I'm sure going in, you know, he's in his ninth year, and you know, and you know, he's up there winning right now, and and people love him. But you know, they go through a couple of rough years. You know, there'll be people thinking that the game's passing by. It's just a society we live in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's not. A, he's no different than football. He's probably a better football coach each and every year he's there. But uh I don't know. The, the normal fan doesn't understand what coaches go through. They just don't. They, they don't. They have no clue. They have no, absolutely no clue. It'd be like me going out here jumping up under a car and thinking I can tear an engine down today <laughs> and put it back together. That's why I sort of look at a fan that looks at football. They just don't know. And and so – uh is a very complex game. There's so many intangibles there that make it uh, uh, one way or another, but I do think Kirby Smart is the right hire at Georgia. I do. I mean, I, I've said that for over a year now, and I said, it, and I didn't say it want Mark to be fired. When Mark got tired of coaching at Georgia, I thought Kirby was their number one target that they should go after when Mark stepped aside and went everyone. I really thought Mark would coach another year. Maybe two, but no more than two more. One or two more. Maybe, you know, get back in the SEC championship game and win or lose, go out on top, win a big bowl game, and, or either play in the national playoffs, and then I think he would step aside. And I think he was heading in that direction. I think the problem was is the, the offensive hire that, you know, that was made and it just, it just didn't work. You know, I'm not saying that Shotty's a bad football coach. He's a heck of a football coach very smart to walk up. It just did not work in Georgia. So I think Kirby is the right fit there. He's got – obviously, he's been with Coach Saban for nine seasons in Alabama. He was with him at LSU and with the Dolphins. I mean, he's been around the man for 12 years. He's at his alma mater that he loves. Um, He wants to be done right, and – He's hit the ground running hard and, and he'll, he'll do a great job. He's a great recruiter. He's a great defensive man. But, but I'll say that he's no different than any head football coach that's, has gotten their first job. He'll need, he'll need some help. I mean, he'll need that leaning shoulder. Uh, that, that person that I told you I hired back in 1989. I think that the, some more people that he can surround himself with that are, maybe not all yes people and that he trusts their opinion uh from a from afar a little bit, you know. I know he pick up the phone and call and, and, and he can get information and his daddy's a bang take up a football coach. Yes. You know, and you know, so I mean his daddy and I'm sure them have had conversations and then we'll continue. But, and Nick will talk to him, but now they're, they're going to be competitive against one another, although they don't play each other every year. I think Alabama going to play George for another five or six years. So, unless it's in the SEC championship game. But now, Kirby will be successful if the University of Georgia will allow him to be successful, which I think they will. I think they're committed to do the right things. And I think that if they, if they do that, and I think they will, I think, uh, Greg Garrity and, the AD and the board of regents and the people there, the president and all the people at the university are excited about Kirby being there and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that their home son is successful and it would be embarrassing for him to come home and him not get it turned around Mm -hmm. and then you really got to start looking maybe it's not the football coach maybe it's something else, deeper. So uh, and that could happen. So going, you know, and I, and I believe that Kirby was the only choice. Mm-hmm. So I thought Greg did a great job of going and getting the best guy available. And you know, I know these search firms get all this credit and blah 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 blah. But I just can't imagine. I thought Kirby was the right man three, four years ago. So, I mean, I mean, I know I'm not a search firm, but I'm smart enough to know that. <laughs> He was the right fit at Georgia three or four years ago, and, I, and I, I think he's the right fit, and I think he'll do a great job. He's already off to a good start with some hires and, and uh, we'll
0: see where it goes from there. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw a question at you here because uh, obviously with the success you've had in two states, uh, state championships in, in Alabama and Georgia are pretty impressive uh, on a resume. Uh, has the college game ever intrigued you? Does it intrigue you now if, if, if Kirby Smart called you would, you? would you consider something like that? Not to say you're leaving Colquitt, just a hypothetical for you.
1: Well, it's mean, been asked a million times that I've said the same thing that I've said my whole career. I mean, yes, obviously I would look into it. I mean, you know, there's so much financial uh, windfall with college coaches, the money they're making now, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you get in, you, you're confident in your ability to do what you can do. You get in there and then all of a sudden, bam, you're, you're a coordinator pretty fast, bam, you're a head coach again pretty fast next thing you know you're making two or three million dollars a year and something that you love to do i've already said that i'm gonna coach eight to ten more years so i would like to you know now winning a national title back-to-back multiple titles here am i happy here absolutely i have the i have a wonderful house a wonderful family a wonderful school system to work for. And I I don't see myself leaving for a high school job. I just don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, this time next year, I have my 10 years in the state of Georgia investing. I can can go to Texas. I can go to Mississippi. I can go to California. I can go to Florida. I can go wherever I want to go if if I wanted to change jobs, you know, and retire here and draw the Georgia retirement and go make some good money somewhere else. But – Rather do that. I would rather try to, the college game. Yes, I would uh, consider any opportunity would be laid out there. And, and again, um, it don't obsess me like it did five, six, seven, eight years ago where I, I did. I hit Christmas, Christmas was ruined. And, you know, I thought the world was coming apart when I, I couldn't get a college job and with the success I was having. So I really mellowed out on it some but it is still something in my mind that I would like to do because I believe I can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watch my friends that are there doing it now, and, you know, I watch Art Biles and Chad Morris and Heath Freeze and Gus and a lot of the Chip Lindsey just got the Arizona State job as the OC. And, you know, what John's fixing to do with, uh, with the chance to win a national title at the FCS level at Jackson State. You know, I just feel like Rush Prokes can uh, can do it, whether it be a head coaching position. But I understand you gotta you gotta you know. I, I would love to really go in and be a good assistant. And 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 people say that I couldn't do that. Yes, I could. You know what? I'm I'm tired of making all the decisions. <laughs> There's I, some pressure I, I, with that. <laughs> you know, every time you turn around, you got to be in a defensive meeting. You got to be in a special teams meeting. You got to be in there when they're eating. You got to be in there when they're doing this, that, and the other. You're in there in the strength and conditioning. So you're always got the pulse of your whole team. Plus dealing with your boosters, dealing with the administration, dealing with everything you deal with as a football coach. You know, I would love for somebody to say, Rush, here's the offense, go score points. And you're going to coach the wide receivers or the tight ends and the running backs or, you know, know, something outside the offensive line. And to me, I know it's a lot of work, but it would be a breath of fresh air to me from that perspective. There's no question that I would run with it, or especially if somebody came in and said, Rush, I just want you to coach the tight ends and recruit for us well, Lord, I think I'd be stealing money, you know, because of – and compared to what I've had to do. The high school football coach, trust me, why they're so successful when they move to the next level, and here's the million-dollar question. I'm going to give you the secret. A lot of college coaches are departmentalized. All they've done, a lot of them, are just that – a lot of these young ones that are coming up now, they've only – been coaching either linebackers or outside linebackers, or maybe one or maybe two positions on defense. They've never coached offense, or vice versa. And offensive guys never coached defense. They've never had to put an off-season program together. They've never had to do all those other kinds of things, like I've already we've already talked about. So the them being departmentalized, I think. That's why you see a lot of them that do fail when they get moved up to be coaches. I think a high school guy has not been departmentalized, and he's had a pretty good idea about every phase of every part of his program. So he has an idea of what's going on. And so I think when they move up into those categories, they've got a pretty good idea. I can't you, Freeze walks in that defensive room at, at Ole Miss, and Coach Womack is talking defensive football, Houston in the back, it ain't foreign language to him.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: when he was in high school football, he had to coach it. And so he understands it. And I think the same situation with a lot of those guys that, that are now successful football coaches that have moved from the high school level to the collegiate level is that we're not departmentalized at all, and we've had to handle so many different situations. And I think we're more able to adapt to the tough situations that, that come uh, come about with being a head football coach or a coordinator at that level so again I, and I don't say that jokingly but you know I'm not saying that coaching tied in at the University of Georgia is is not important it is very important
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I, I just think that 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 could be done and, and you're recruiting and I don't I don't believe that Anybody should go in there and just recruit just tight end. I, I would recruit the best football players to come to both sides of the ball because we're all a team. Yeah, you know We're all a team. I'm not worried about who's got the highest recruiting rankings and all that. You know, I, I want us to win on the field and win with the best players. And I think I know who are the best players. I mean, I, I think I have a pretty good eye for talent. I've always evaluated talent very well. And I think that's what I would be a great – I do a great job of is recruiting. I think we can all coach football. I really do. And I've had to coach every phase of football. I've been a throw team. I've been a run team. I've been a spread, double-slot option team. I ran the wing team one year. We got eye and ran it one year. Now, the last 15, 16 years, 17 years, I've been in the spread stuff that is, you know – Throwing it 25, 27 times a game, but we've been running it a good bit too. So uh, it's a spread, it's a true spread, but it's a different twist to it. It's a physical spread, and it's going to remain that way. And uh, it is up tempo, but you know, you know, you, it's just that I think we could do a lot, and 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 there's a lot of us out there that could do that. But the thing that I think I could do better than anything is I could recruit. Yeah, <laughs> and if you can sell yourself and sell your, and gain trust through that high school coach's relationship, and you treat them with respect, because I, I can name, I'm not gonna embarrass anybody, I'm not gonna talk about it, but there is several people in the SEC and ACC, they don't even call us. They'll call straight to the kid, and when I, and I mean, when I find out I love him, I mean, I don't, I don't make no bones about it. You go through that high school coach. You show that high school coach the respect that he deserves, because chances are he's gonna know that kid a lot better than the parent does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I just it amazes me when that happens, but it happens because all they do is they sit back there and they look at a list. It's got a star out beside of it, and they start making phone calls, or they reach out on Twitter, or they reach out on Facebook, or they Snapchat or Instagram. And then they make contact in their way, and they build that relationship. They just leave the high school coach at it. I think it's a very disrespectful way to recruit.
0: Well, like I, I really said, we can, I, I, I would love to go off on that, and I only have f- about three or four minutes left here, Coach, and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, folks, it's Rush Probst, the uh, head coach of Colquitt County, back-to-back Georgia State Champs, our 2015 National Champs, and and what you just say, said there made me come up with the last question, and uh, I, I, you've been very open and honest with me. You said, you know, you've gone through cancer. You uh, The last eight years have changed you a lot. You've had your adversity off the field. I don't want to go into that, but I think it's an interesting topic because coaching today's athlete now is not like it was, heck, five, ten years ago. Um, How have you evolved uh, as a coach when it comes to handling things outside of the X's and O's? What are the things that you think your life has given you that helps you with these young men and molding them?
1: Well, first of all, we got to like you. That's number one. They're not players... I do believe love me I, they know I'm hard on them and I, and I chew them and I get on them and I and I and I'm tough on them but at the end of the day they know that I'm gonna battle for them they know that I care about and I have a lot of one-on-one discussions with them I have a lot of meetings at my house I have a lot of spendovers at my house I got a big house it's got six bedrooms I have a cottage down here that sleeps six. So, uh, it sits on this Clockney River. So, i got a really nice backyard, five acres. i got a beautiful pool that I'm walking around right now. Uh, I nearly walked off in it a while ago.
0: <laughs> Don't do that.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. You'll <laughs> hear a bunch of gurgling. But it's about warming up the next couple of days too swim. But anyway, uh, you know, I just got a great relationship with my players. So, I just have not and I know I'm knocking on wood right now, I just had not had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just hadn't. You know, I mean, I just think kids truly want to play for me. They respect me. They respect my intensity level. They know that I'm hardcore. But there's a lot of joking and a lot of laughter and a lot of love shown when they come to this house. They sit down and eat a steak or a grilled hamburger on the grill and they can spend the night here and they can have this you know because this family that I call football doesn't just stop at that deal house mm-hmm. and I think it's what coaches make the biggest mistake is they want to leave football at the office and not take it home with them and I'm right the opposite I want football to come to my house and my three young children I have a an uh, 11-year-old son, a 10-year-old daughter tomorrow. At, you know, she, she wakes up in the morning on Christmas Eve, and she's 10. <laughs> and then I've got a 9-year-old son uh, that will turn 9 on Groundhog Day. They love them. And, and they're, they come over here, and they're playing with them in the pool. And, they're, and, and my, players know, my players know my kids. And, and, then, um, and it's just a great family atmosphere around my house. And my wife has created that atmosphere. Uh, she's around those kids all the time so I think that's a lot of it and I think that's where success has, has really helped us and helped me to be the way I am on the football field as far as the intense stuff. So because they know they may get the biggest chewing out from me or as all that went viral, they may even get a headbutt from me but <laughs> at the end of the day so we got to kick out that thing now that thing is was- and I was
0: going to ask you about the, that, but I thought well, I had some history. <laughs> the, you
1: know, the kicker the kicker who I headbutted. And uh, he was the smallest one around. And, and I really, that's not what did it. It's when I turned and D. Walker had has a screw in his helmet that was sharp pointing. And it barely caught the edge of my, top of my forehead. And it was just, I mean, we didn't have to even put a band. They weren't even a stitch in it. We didn't have to put a band-aid on it at the end of the game. It was just like, it was like one away. <laughs> and it looked like it bled like a still hog on TV, but once it quit bleeding, uh, it was done. But it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot of fun with it. And, <laughs> you know, people try to make something out of it, but it wasn't. Uh-huh. But our kids know and understand my intensity level, and they know the game's played with passion and intensity. But every one of those kids know that I love them, and they deeply know. I tell them all the time that I love them. Yeah. And I'll put my arm around them in my office and tell them I love them. And I'm going to show them love on February 3rd when we sign about 18 or 19 of them, hopefully, if all of them get their grades and everything. And we're going to bust our butt for the one who wants to go to Huntington College or Birmingham Southern or Georgia Military just as much as we we do the ones that are going to Georgia or Florida or, or Arkansas. So, you know, we, we'll, we'll do everything we can to help our children be successful in all phases of life. And those phases are very simple. It's their spiritual life, their personal life, and then obviously their their academic life. Uh, and then the last thing is their, their football life and their athletic life that will help get them a college education. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but in this town, out of 115 football players, we probably only have, Seven, six, on our team that have the financial means to go to college,
2: wow. without having
1: to borrow, big, take out student loans, uh, Pell grants, and all that. So football is their ticket mm-hmm. to get to get out of here and get a college education, and the mothers know that. And here, here, here's the here's the defining moment for me. It's February, It's December the twelfth. We're at the dome. And those mothers are shaking those pom poms and they're hollering and they're screaming, their dope pack go, and we're state champs. Everybody's happy and the whole place is ecstatic for so the 10 or 12,000 that went up. But what really turns my boat is on February 3rd when those 15, 16, 18 moms are out there and there's tears flowing down their cheeks and that their baby's got a football scholarship and. It's not costing them a dime for them to go to school, and if it is in some of these division two programs, it may be costing them two and three and four thousand dollars and not eighteen sixteen thousand dollars so that that to me is the defining moment for me. That's what we call overtime period, and that's what we're working right now. We're working overtime to February third to help these kids to move on to the next level. We've had sixty six of them. To move on, we still have thirty something of them playing, and uh, you know they're fun to watch, and we enjoy it. And it's a lot of lot of work because uh, there's a lot of stuff that we have to do for them after they're done playing to get them set up to go. But man, that's that's so much fun for me. That's what I really enjoy doing. And that's it. That, Again, go ahead. to go back, I would like to do it on the other level now to see how it would be on the other level. <laughs> well,
0: hopefully, you get to that. We we went a little over time here with you uh, on the show, but uh, you had so many good nuggets in there, and I, as, as people who have been listening to the show for five years, know um, I, I'm a huge supporter of coaches because I do know what um, not only you but everybody does at the at the biggest schools down to the smallest. You know, the the single A schools and all that, and I, I just hope that. Uh, The show's done a little bit to, um, you know, educate people on it it goes beyond, you know, a guy that was on a MTV TV show. It's about a guy that cares about kids and all that. So we appreciate you imparting your wisdom. And uh, more importantly, we're just uh, proud to have you guys as our national champs this year. And we'll have you back on the show again before 2016 to see uh, if you got a third one straight in you. So, uh, Coach, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Appreciate you coming on.
1: Well, I appreciate you today. And I, I want people to know two things. And I think this will, will be the defining thing before we go off there. One is I played 1A football. I coached in 3A, 4A ball for 12 years. So I had to wear a million different hats, cut the grass, change the sprinklers t- at 2 o'clock in the morning, clean the showers and the commodes. So I've had to work on that level. I hadn't always been at Calvert County and Hoover and Bryant. I've been at those small scoops. The other thing is, is that the way I left Hoover, I'm not proud of that. And I want, I want that man that's walking the street now to see a better person because I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better football coach now because my priorities are in better order. And I do deeply, deeply care for my kids. And that when it, when it, when you show that kind of love to your players, it's got to turn the fold the other way and and i hope that these next eight to ten years that i can prove that to people that i do love and care about this game and about the kids that i coach thanks for having me on today it's been a wonderful interview and uh We'll see you around the corner.
0: Sounds good, thanks, Coach. We'll see you when we can bring that national championship trophy to town. Have a great Christmas,
1: Yeah, We're looking forward to it. That'll be <laughs> the biggest celebration this place. I'm telling you now, they, people are calling me left and right on that thing. There. So, are we gonna do? are we gonna do it? So, I said, we're gonna do it sometime. where when they, he gets to put together, we'll and there'll probably be an assembly at school, and then there'll be a celebration up on the square. And I promise you, there'll be. You know, several thousand up there. Pro- I promise you. We got back out of the morning from the state championship game at five o'clock in the morning. There were over five hundred on the square waiting on us, and there were about a thousand at the Omni inside that lobby area, and there were about I don't know, probably a little over ten thousand in the Omni. So it was it was unbelievable. But we're, uh, we're looking anyway, forward to it. We look to forward it. to it. We look forward to doing it. And you just set it up, and we'll be ready.
0: All right. Thanks, Coach. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye yep. bye. Bye bye. Okay, that's Rush Probst. We are going to uh, take one last break here, our final break in 2015. Coming back, look at the uh, medium school and the uh, small school top 25 wrap-up things here in 2015. A great season. Again, thank you for tuning in. And remember, you can listen to all of our past shows by going to highschoolfootballamerica.com. We have them all archived there for you and uh just uh looking forward to 2016 we already had talked a couple of weeks ago about the big matchup we helped put together for the honor bowl the uh, the matchup between img and corona centennial uh so we're we're already thinking 2016 taking a break coming back to wrap things up in 2015 you're listening to high school football america instant replays on a high school football sideline seriously yes the future is here with echo 1612's instant replay sideline system Echo's cutting-edge technology was the first to the market two years ago echo delivers instant replay to your sideline on an iPad within seconds of a play being finished so that you can make tomorrow's coaching changes today this NFHS approved product may be the biggest change in high school football since the invention of the helmet coaches, you'll gain a competitive edge by adding Echo 1612's instant replay sideline system to your coaching toolbox. How cool is this? The Echo instant replay sideline system works with both your current, booth, and end zone cameras plus, and this is an important point, Echo works without any cellular connection, data plans, or internet. The list of high school football programs using Echo 1612 system is growing daily, meaning your opponent may already have a game time advantage. You don't want to be left out, do you? The Echo 1612 advantage is simple. Echo plus an iPad equals instant replay on your sideline that improves your game planning. Seriously. You'll be making coaching adjustments in real time, not the day after. Except no copycats, Echo 1612 is the best on the market. Echo 1612's cutting-edge technology helps you make tomorrow's adjustments today. Learn more at echo1612.com. Field turf rubber pellets begone. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is a seamless outer sock that was specifically designed to keep crumb rubber and other fine debris from artificial or grass playing surfaces out of an athlete's shoes and socks, thus keeping such debris out of gym bags and locker rooms. The Razor, spelled R-A-Z-U-R, is favored by athletes who want the look of tape, by trainers who no longer have the time to tape only for show, and by moms who no longer want that crumb rubber in the house the debris inhibitor razor is made in America it's 70 percent nylon and 30 percent spandex making it extra lightweight and very durable and it's backed by a one-year performance guarantee the debris inhibitor razor covers just the right amount of a player's shoe while keeping those shoelaces tight it's fully customizable machine washable and more importantly it's easy to get on and off the Debris Inhibitor Razor comes in 23 colors and sizes are youth, medium, large, and for that extra Bigfoot, extra large. Founded in 2010 by former University of Mississippi All-SEC football player Carl Hoppy Langley III, Southern Sport Inc. created the Debris Inhibitor to improve athletic performance by protecting athletes, allowing them to look and feel better with technically advanced products engineered with superior fabric construction, patented design, and proven innovation. Get a discount on your order by using the High School Football America code HSFA when you order at TDIRazor.com. That's Razor spelled with a U at TDIRazor.com. if you're scouting your opponents without crossovers game film breakdown platform you're missing an opportunity to get a huge edge over the competition crossover service lets you upload game film from your hard drive video camera or other websites like huddle Their team of football experts will then clip and tag the game with player and formation info so that when you log into your account, you can filter the clips however you'd like. They'll also automatically prepare a comprehensive tendency report and down and distance report for your staff so you can see exactly what your opponents like to call in specific situations. We all know that every coach spends countless hours preparing before a game. It's not about the time you put in, it's about what you do with that time. That's crossover's biggest advantage. It allows you to use your prep time more efficiently and get an even deeper level of insight since you don't have to waste time setting up the film. Check them out. You're going to love them. You can sign up for a quick free demo at crossover.com forward slash football. That's crossover with a K dot com forward slash football. USA Today High School Sports is America's leading platform for high school football. The Super 25 team rankings and expert American Family Insurance All-USA list have been determining the best of the best nationally and locally for more than three decades. Be sure to check out USA HSS.com, the best in the game for everything high school football. All right, time to wrap things up here on our final show for the 2015 season. We hope everyone has a very, very Merry Christmas. Uh, again, if you uh, had not uh, been with us earlier, we talked to Rush Propes. He is the head coach of the 2015 national champion uh, Colquitt County Packers. And you can listen to uh, any of that interview by going back into our archives at highschoolfootballamerica.com. Uh, we didn't mention it at the top, but uh, the, the final uh, top five came out this way. De La Salle finished right behind Colquitt County. And right behind them was Katie. What a year the Tigers had. What a great uh, defense that they they had there in uh, in Texas and we actually uh, were able on our drive through uh Texas coming to Atlanta we were able to stop there and check out rhodes Stadium which was really a cool place to be a couple of days before they won that uh Class 6A Division II championship, and uh, then following up uh, Katie was Bishop Gorman. While they're loaded, there's going to be a, 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 a big uh, big uh, push, I think, to, to find them at uh, the number one spot when we release our preseason poll in August and then rounding out the uh, top five, Corona Centennial. What a season they had, the only loss to number two, De La Salle. And also, as we said at the top of the show, the algorithm's gotten bigger and better. And what we did was we had put out medium school and small school top 25s this year. Uh, The number one medium school, a team that also found its way into the overall top 25 was uh, Eastside Catholic out of Washington. Had a chance to see them in the Honor Bowl uh, earlier this year. Back-to-back Washington 3A state championships. An incredible come-from-behind win over Bellevue in the 3A state championship game. Down 28 points uh, in the second half. And they came back and won an overtime 48-42. They were the number one team uh, in the medium school poll and in the small school poll. It was the uh, the three time uh, Florida State champ, uh, Trinity Christian Academy. They were number forty nine in our top fifty overall, and they are the small school champs. You can check out all of the rankings by going to school dot com. For now, this is Jeff Fisher saying good night and good sports from Atlanta. You've been listening to High School Football America. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll talk to you in two
2: thousand sixteen.